welcome to the canteen. Find us on social media at Dash with Flash and at your podcast catcher of choice with your host, Bill Masons and Scott Fiedler. Welcome to the canteen. Hey, Feeds, let's get on over to the canteen. What do you think? Let's do it, Phil. Let's do it. Welcome to the Canteen. My name is Phil Nason. He's Scott Fiedler, and we are broadcasting from the Canteen at Brookwood Camps, the Sports Academy at Brookwood Camps, where you send us your most precious gift, and we return them better athletes and better humans. We got you covered. You can catch this show daily at CSN Sports Radio. If you want to bring the Canteen to your internet or terrestrial radio show, hit us up at Flash at CashWithFlash.com, and we will get that thing started for you right away. Podcast catchers have this show in their lineup. All you have to do is subscribe. Boy, I tell you what, Feeds, you know, we had a pretty good run for the Final Four. Cash with Flash was sizzling. My goodness. Was sizzling, and then I ended the season. Until the last game, but... uh... You know, classic classic mistakes. Uh, thought we thought about uh, what Vegas was trying to tell you instead of really analyzing the game and saying that Baylor was just a more physical and more athletic team. You know, it just it was that simple. As crazy as it sounds, and you know, I didn't catch that in the first few minutes when they blitzed them, but when Gonzaga made their run, a sort of a little bit of a run. And I was talking to a buddy of mine. I said, the first five minutes of the second half are going to decide this game. And Baylor just came out and just put it on him at that point. And I said, this game's over. There's no way they're coming back. And, you know, they're just so much, they were so much more athletic, so much more physical. And, uh, you know, bravo to Scott Drew. He's done a ridiculous job at Baylor. You know, I mean, when he took over that program, if you remember, they were a disaster. A real disaster. A real one. You know what? I knew that things were going to go south as soon as I published my show on Monday. I know you told me that. I knew right away. In fact, I didn't place any wagers on either the over or mm-hmm. Baylor. I went to sleep. See, we should we blew it. I told you we should have played Baylor in the first half. That was the play. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, and you're right. What I don't like to do, though, is give out those kind of exotic bets on radio I shows. I, 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 that's a great play. I, I, I go for those sometimes, but people... I tell you what, there was one of those weekends for us. You know, I was in a big horse tournament and just could never, could never get myself involved as I should have. You know, I was middle of the pack and just never hit that one horse that would bump me up into. Uh, it was funny. The way the day went is. Uh, in the Wood Memorial, I had Dynamic One, who was at 16 to 1, led the whole way and got clipped by a, a 40 to 1 horse at the wire. And uh, so I get $15, and all the people that had him get 64. Uh, had it been the other way around, I'd probably move up into contention, and uh, the other people are not. And one of the people that had the $64 horse did win the whole tournament. So. You know, congratulations to him. But that that's the way our weekend went, I guess, Phil, right? Yeah. We were, we were right there, but just didn't, you know, didn't get over the hump, as they say. Nope. I was 1-1 one and one in the Final Four and 0-2 oh in the championship game. It is what it is. Yep. I will take 
I will take my record of 11 and 4. Any day of the week. Yes. And and anyone who says I don't know what I'm doing, I just laugh at them. Because I do this in every sport. And that's the fun part. I'm glad that college basketball is over. It was a tough season. This was my worst college basketball season of the three that I played since I started doing this full time. It was so hard to predict what was going to happen. Baylor was one of those reasons because of the COVID-19. Mm-hmm. It was a horrible thing. I still think they shouldn't have ever played any of these games. I think that the cream didn't rise to the top because COVID beat them to it. And uh, I'll be honest with you. I think the cream did rise to the top at the end. Okay. I think Gonzaga, best- but Gonzaga's not the cream I- as we thought they were. Yeah, well, I still think they were the two best teams in college basketball. Okay. I, I do. I, I, you know, Gonzaga just plays basketball the way it should be played. They had some talent. Don't get me wrong. I just think Baylor was extremely talented, and uh, I just, I, I don't think there was anyone better. I mean, I, you know, watching the tournament, watching the teams that didn't make it. Now, you know, they'll all blame COVID for uh, why they didn't make it and what happened, but. Uh, you know, I think part of the part of this was managing that, you know, and even teams that, you know, like a Villanova, you know, listen, they were talented and they, they went as far as they could. And they had probably the worst COVID situation with starts and stops, along with Baylor, who won the whole thing, had a lot of start and stops. And Michigan, too. Right. But I'm saying Baylor, who won it, had had I think they were on a 10 day at one point. Or more, I think. They missed like 30 days straight with some kind of deal. Well, so there you go. You know. But at so, the end uh, of the day, it's all over now. All over but the shouting. That's and it. now we can relax again until November when they begin again. If they begin again on time, who knows? We don't know. COVID-19. They'll be, they'll be, they'll be beginning. This is, uh, I think, we're starting to see the, the, the end of COVID-19. Okay. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more, I think, as, as this show goes on, I have a feeling. Maybe so, um, maybe so. But it still is a difficult period. We want you to make sure you're wearing your masks, doing what you're supposed to do. Things are looking up at Brookwood. We got a good number of kids already, probably and more get, than we thought at this more, time. And get Absolutely, and getting more daily and... Uh, you know, you can't, uh, you know, I think the word's finally getting out that if you're an athlete, you won't find a better program than what we do, you know, and, and you won't find better instructors than what we have. So and that's true. You know, that that's that's an important thing. And then again, you know, like I always tell everybody, too, we've been a family business for this will be our 50th summer, you know, in, in this business. So we understand kids and that's part of the thing we talk about that we'll send them back as better human beings, you know? So that's a very important thing. I think we also have great programs for kids who may not be as athletic as some. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I talk about our broadcasting program all the time. It's a, you know, it's a tremendous program. Uh, look at what it's done for you and me. We got a podcast now, you know, uh, you asked me six years ago if I'd be doing podcasts and daily videos at Brookwood Camps, uh, I probably would have laughed at you. So You might have. You might have. But uh, I've been doing this a long time before Brookwood started their ESPN You know that. Well, why would you have, Well, why the heck wouldn't you have done it with us? My goodness. 
because I was in Greece working. Oh, so we could have we could have potted potted you in. Potted me in in the summertime. The only way you're going to pod me in is um, in between my walk from the court to my bungalow. Oh, now we're talking. My God, I I'll tell you when I worked in Greece. You know, people laugh. They say, well, what they say is resident pro job, piece of cake, they say. Okay. Mm -hmm. But I had to hit like 10, 12 hours a day. Hit. Because I have to hit with everybody. If Novak Djokovic came into the place, I would have to at least try to hit with him or come up with something for him. I mean, that didn't happen often. But Good Good luck with that one. Well, you know what? I don't really care for him that much. So I probably would have got up for that little. No, he would have crushed me, but there's ways to play with a coach. You know, one of the misconceptions is that great tennis coaches have to be able to play with their students. In some cases it is, but when your student is like the world number one player or a top five player or top 20, who's going to play with him? Who coach, Not you. What coach, what coach is going to play with him? You'd have to call on me or Jay to help you out there. Well, that's what I was figuring, but you guys were along <laughs> the way. But uh, listen, at the I, end I've never the, been to Greece. One of these days, I got to get there. And one of these days, you should. Yeah, I'm probably going to stay here in the states, though. I think I my think long you should. Distance, I think I think you and I should just travel there one time together. Okay, we could do I a, don't. We could do. We could do a podcast from the Acropolis. Um, I really can't do that because I did want a show from there years ago. <laughs> And what happened is, is I thought I was trying to be helpful, and my engineer wasn't there, and I plugged in something, in the wrong plug, and and all the lights on the Acropolis shut down. Oh, I, I'm surprised they still let you in the in the country then. No, 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 no. They understand accidents. Greeks are very forgiving. Now, if that would have happened in the United States of America, I probably would have had a tough time. But either way, I'm staying put for the foreseeable future. So now we're talking. Put that on your back. My old roomie is back. I love it. <laughs> I've been back for two years. But now not willingly back, though. But but exactly. Now you're back back for good back. Right. Absolutely. And I'm sure there's other people who are happy to hear that too. Because there's all kinds of rumors. You know, I told you the Greek national team, I got a, a jacket from the uh from Davis Cup and from the Olympic team. That's what they do for people like me who help out and do good things. And retired without like destroying anything. So anyway, I decided to wear the jacket Sunday morning when I went to uh I guess I was going to hit some serves. And I like the jacket cuz it goes all the way down to like the right below the fingernail. And this way, I can serve and keep the top of my hands warm because indoor courts, it's still cold, very cold. Mm -hmm. And some knucklehead wrote on Facebook, Phil Nasons is returning to Greece to be a coach again based on me wearing a jacket. Uh Uh-oh. That's not a good thing. And and fortunately, he tagged my name so I could track him down. And I told him, you got to remove that. Mm -hmm. Um. This is what happens when you deal with muggles. Well, now, I would be- never... That and the beauty of social media, as we had talked about in the, la- and it was it the last episode or two episodes ago. Oh, yeah. Everybody you wants know, to make a scoop. But that could have yeah. hurt someone who 
<laughs> thinks I'm going to leave every single day, and I don't want that. Exactly. And the other thing is, and here's the worst part is, is the gotcha culture. He wants to be a star. Gotcha. He, that's why I call them muggles. Mm -hmm. I mean, first of all, I would never wear a Davis Cup coat or a Olympic jacket in the streets. I showed up with it. I would never do that. I walked down to the grocery store with it. In fact, that's where the knucklehead saw me. That's where it was. I apologize. It was after that. I went to get some ice cream that I'm not supposed to eat. But anyway, I'm uh -oh. wearing that jacket. Good thing they didn't catch you with the ice cream on the internet. Oh, well, I have my Team USA bag for that so uh, to cover okay. that up. That was another issue. I'm wearing a, a Hellas coat and a Team USA backpack. Yes, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to Greece and coach the national team with my Team USA backpack. That sounds like a plan. I don't think that's a plan. I wouldn't be a good plan. They would send me home, and, and rightly yeah. so. You know, you can't, you can't do that. But that's the problem. The muggle doesn't understand any of those things. You never see me wearing tennis clothes outside in the streets. Never. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Maybe you see me with the tennis shoes, but you well, know it's what? Too it's too cold in, in Cleveland anyway to wear that stuff. Yeah, but I don't do that anyway. And uh, unless it's a suit, you know what? I looked at it as a beautiful, nostalgic moment of a great time in my life. And darn it all, the muggle almost ruined it. But that was just a little killer material because here we go, or I should say filler material, <laughs> because we got a good one today, folks. We got a great show. The All-Star Game was supposed to be held in Atlanta. The 2021 All-Star Game, our friend Leo Mazzoni was supposed to get inducted into the Atlanta Braves Hall of Fame on national TV, and rightly so. And, and... Unfortunately, for whoever it is, the game has been moved to Colorado because Rob Manfred, MLB commissioner, doesn't like the new voting laws that Georgia enacted. So instead of just going, well, what are we going to do? He just pulled the game, cost the city of Atlanta probably $100 million or more. A lot of people who will lose money, mostly people of color, because they're the ones who usually work in these stadiums, in these arenas, selling concessions, whatever it is they do. And now it's off to Colorado in a place where it's mostly white and they have similar voting laws. Make sense of this for me, Scotty. I can't. <laughs> Why? I can't. <laughs> I can't. Because it makes no sense. Or, I'll tell you what, here's where it makes sense, all right? And this is your cancel culture and all of that stuff, you know? But, uh, you know, I don't even think anybody, any of these people criticizing the law actually read the law, other than, you know, listening to Stacey Abrams, who said that it's uh, Jim Crow, and it's not this, and it's not that, and that we're going backwards, and all of these things. Now, you know... I think you have to do your due diligence before you make crazy decisions like that. Right. You know, and I, I, one, I don't think they did their due diligence. And two, you know, there's a piece that Charles Barkley, I don't know if you've seen the, the Charles Barkley piece that he did on, I guess it was 
during the NCAA tournament. Oh, about politicians? Ernie, yes, and him and Ernie yes. Johnson were talking about it. And, you know, I've never seen someone hit the nail on the head like Charles did. And he, and he was perfect, you know, and he said it exactly right. He said, you know, I don't care, Republican, Democrat, this, that, you know, white, black. Blah, blah. He goes, you know, most white and black people are good people. They like each other. They do things for each other. They help each other in a neighborhood. And the politicians try to break it apart every chance they can. And why? Because they want to stay in power. And I, I thought he was extremely right. You know, he said, oh, the, uh, you know, they'll, they'll pit the rich against the poor. They'll pit blacks against whites. They'll pit. And they don't care because they don't live in the neighborhoods. So they're living up, you know, high on a hog with their money, which they want to keep and the power that they want to keep. And they don't care about us in the neighborhood. You know, um, again, they're living high on the hog. They're they're uh, looking to keep power. You know, I, I know you've had the discussion and the conversation about term limits, you know, for some of these people. But at the end of the day, you know, I think once you're in government, Unless you do something really stupid, you're in. And, you know, I, I know my uncle worked in government for 20 years back when there was some respectability to the government. And uh, people would do it to help people, not to help themselves. I think the problem now is government is about helping themselves. And But even my uncle, who worked 20 years as an aide for uh, the Wisconsin Congressman David Obie, um, he became a lobbyist. And in the, in the last, whatever, six years he was a lobbyist, he made the majority of his money, which is crazy to think about. And, uh, you know, Barkley hit the nail on the head. They're trying to, you know, they want the middle class, but they're going to abuse us with taxes and, and things like that. Uh, you know, I think if the middle class does go by the wayside, look at other countries, that's how countries get ruined when it's really the poor versus the, the rich, if there's no middle class. So I think they got to be careful here and they need to, um, you know, really think about what they're doing to people, how they're how they're operating. And they, they just think if they can continue to keep it divisive, then it works for them. Well, that's what they do. You know, uh, this cancel that, culture that's becoming thing. The, but that's becoming the problem. You know? Yeah, but they don't and see even, it that way. Well, no, they do, but they're not going to tell you they see it that way. I mean, you even look at, you know, I don't know if you saw Governor Kemp's press conference about the new voting laws and everything. I did. And say, you know, saying how. And, and listen, I haven't read it, so I don't know which side is right yet. But, you know, in, in their opinion, they expanded the uh, ways you could vote and what you could do. And, you know, I know they, they came out and said it's ridiculous that there's anything about giving people food and water you know, on the line, which is insane as well. So, you know, I, I don't disagree with some things. I think that there does need to be more, um, for lack of a better word, security in the people voting. You know, if you are voting by mail, there should be an ID that you need to send along with it, a photo ID and a photo of yourself that, you know, if you get on an airplane, you can't do that without a photo ID. So why should you be able to vote without a photo ID? You can't walk into a bar without a photo ID. 
So why should you be able to vote without a photo ID? If you go to jury duty, you have to show a photo ID. So it, it doesn't make sense, um, that part of it. And again, I have not read the law. I just think the overreactions all the time by these companies and things have become ridiculous. You know, uh, and the over uh, and sometimes they're screwed because it's the overreaction of the public that listens to some of these divisive people. You know, like I said, I think if I'm not mistaken, reading it right, Delta Airlines was for the law at first. They took a lot of backlash and all of a sudden the CEO said, oh, we're not. You know, we, we disagree with it. And this is terrible. I don't know, dude. What I can tell you is. The nine to five voting polls being open, that seems to be a sore spot because, and you have to listen to my show from Monday, the Phil Nason show from Monday, because mm -hmm. Jamie and Smith is a person of color, black guy. And he kind of said what was why black folks can't really do that. Keep well, those I, times. I, I, I didn't know that they had a nine to five, and I agree with that then. That's, that's. Well, that's Listen, for everybody, I, though. But, but, but who would be able to keep that time? You know, anybody yeah. that works technically can't keep that time. I mean, you know, I, I'll agree with that part. And that's why I said I haven't read it. And I think there are things that I'm sure it's both ways, you know, that uh, and it's not just people of color. You know, it's hardworking, blue collar Americans that can't take that time off. If you're getting you know, if you're getting paid hourly, you're not giving up four hours to vote. Why would you do that? Especially when the lack of candidate qualifications rears its ugly head. You're voting normal. La the last two elections, the lesser of two evils. Mm -hmm. That's never good either. But this whole thing stems back to Stacey Abrams losing the election yes. to, to Kemp because she couldn't get the black votes out. The people of color, her target audience, they, for whatever reason, didn't want to vote. Now... Nine to maybe five is maybe tough. Maybe they didn't want to vote for her. You know, that's possible too. But they seem to be praising her now, and that's okay. You know, she got the vote out and turned that state from red to blue, so she must have done something right. What they want is to, that to continue. I don't think you should have a vote where you don't identify yourself. You know, in Greece, they don't even let you have absentee ballots. Right. And you know why, right? Because they know that someone's dog is going to vote. And people are going to vote four or five times if they can mail it in. Because how do you stop that? How do you prevent that? You don't. And elections pretty much started in Greece. They seem to know. The other thing that they do in Greece is they make the vote mandatory. And what that is, they hold it on a Sunday. And it's technically a four-day holiday. And you return to your village of birth, and that's where you vote. Now, if it's a hardship, they give you a pass, but you got to prove it's a hardship. If you're in the tourism industry, you're probably working on Sunday, so you may not be able to go. But if you want to go, your employer is going to give you that time off to go to Kalamata or wherever you were born and wherever village you resided in as a kid. And that's the deal. And they don't have to show ID because the people in that village know who they are. You know, that's a difference. Here, you don't know who is who, you know. And I would be very, very weary 
or leery of anyone who votes without a without an ID. I just don't believe that's possible to not cheat. Right. And the and, interest. And, and, go ahead. And, and anyone, you know, what gets me is they'll claim, oh, you know, it's tougher to get an ID. Anyone can get a photo ID that wants one. I'm well, sorry. that's all about priorities. See, this is right. the problem. Right. Well, that's what it is. If it's not your priority to get it, then it's not your priority to vote. If you, you know? can stand out in and, line and all night long. You, I, I, and I'll be honest with you, I'm not a high priority to vote guy. I voted this you know? time. It's not It's not high on my list. One, I don't think it makes much of a difference in New York because uh, they're going to vote Democratic anyway. Pretty and much, two, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, you know, it, it, it should be personal preference, you know. If it's not that important to you to get a photo ID, then it's not that important for you to vote. You know, and you don't have to be a driver to get a photo ID anymore. That's a big key factor. I mean, you could go get a, a non-driver photo ID at, you know, um, Department of Motor, any Department of Motor Vehicles in the country now. And, uh, you know, it's like the guy that has to take the time to... Renew his license. And once you do it once, you actually can do it by mail with the photo that you have. You know, I don't know if most people are aware of this, but if a policeman stops you and you don't have any any kind of ID whatsoever, he's going to bring you into the precinct. Right. I was told when I was a kid, and, I, and Saginaw was like that, you had to have, if you didn't have five bucks in your pocket, and a photo ID, they thought you were homeless. And they took you to jail till they figured it out. ID is a part of everything, Scotty. You need an ID to buy a pack of cigarettes. You need to buy an ID or have ID for beer, wine purchases, alcohol purchases, gambling purchases. You need an ID to go to the food bank if you're on the dole. Um, you, need an you need an ID to get money out of the bank, your own money. Yeah, your own money. And you need an ID for everything, to get a job, to uh, buy a house or rent an apartment. So why are these people in apartments and not have an ID? I don't think that's really the issue. I think the issue stems from priorities. If you make voting a priority, you're going to do that. And if you don't make voting a priority, you won't, no matter what the limitations are and no matter what the rules are. Now, I know a lot of black women who say, I'll do whatever it takes because we didn't get to vote for a long, long time. That's the difference. We have so many people who are just uh, non-interested. If, it, if it's convenient for them, that's, you know. The... Well, that's what it is. They want it handed to them. They don't want to take initiative. They don't want to work. And I'm not talking about people of color. I'm talking about people in general these days. Right, well, that's what I mean. It's, if it, it's, that's what I mean by the voting thing. If it's convenient for them, yeah, I'll go vote. If it's not convenient, then I'm not going to go vote. And don't, and this whole, you know, and there are people that, listen, it is tough to do it. You're trying to support a family. You're trying to, you know, like I said, if you're getting paid hourly, you know, it's awful difficult to, uh, you know, to get a, um, to get time off to do something like that. Um, I think your point to it would be, you know, there's a million holidays in this country. The kids have off. People have off for everything. I mean, my kids and wife were off from school Monday, the day after Easter. Now, Easter's a big holiday, but it's a Sunday. Right. I don't remember them ever having Monday off. So if you want to do it, make voting a national 
uh, you know, a holiday or whatever, a national holiday, and let them vote, like you said, on a, on a Saturday, a Sunday, and a Monday. You know, let it be a three days, three days of voting. If you can't make it in one of those days, you know, and you don't have a, a legitimate excuse, then there's a problem. You don't care and you don't want to vote. And, you know, voting's a privilege. So, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily, listen, if you have a disability, you can't get to the polls. Absolutely, there should be absentee voting and, and, and mail-in voting for those people. But right. again, you should have to show an ID. You should have to show. Listen, you can't park in a, a handicapped spot without that little pass. Well, maybe they should give out the little passes to people that can't go and vote. Maybe so. Yeah, I would think, though, one of the things that came away, I came away with. Is that both major parties, the Republicans and Democrats, they both agree. On people of color. Democrats just don't think people of color are bright enough to find their license number or to mm -hmm. even get an ID. Republicans, they don't want them to vote easily. You know, and they don't I'm want them so, to be able to cheat easily. I don't know if I necessarily believe that either. I mean, there, there are plenty, you know, there are plenty African-Americans that do vote Republican and you see them out there and... You know, it's a personal preference. And this, again, is, I think, the the play of politicians, you know, that uh, they're trying to do it. You know, what gets me is, uh, you know, I think the the Democrats would love more, you know, immigrants to get in. And they're going to tell you how they were the ones that got them in the country. And, you know, then then they, they hope that they vote, you know, Democratic. Uh, you know, people forget the. Uh, you know, the Democrats was the party that, of slavery back in the day. Right. And the Republicans were the ones that emancipated them. You know, Lincoln was a Republican. So, you know, things change. And it, it, it seems always the convenience of what's going to keep you in power that changes your views and changes your thoughts. And, uh, you know, I, again, I'm a, I'm a guy that believes in the old fashioned. You work hard. You get what you deserve most of the time. You know, I think you could come from any background in this country. I mean, that's what makes this country great, you know, is, uh, uh, you know, like I always tell you the story about a kid that played for us at Farmingdale Community College, Arthur Anderson. Both his parents passed away. He lived above a men's shelter. And uh, his sister basically, you know, moved him in there and helped him as much as she could. And uh, he worked hard enough that he got a, you know, a scholarship to us first at a junior college, then uh, a division two school graduated. And he's been a, a high school teacher ever since, uh, you know, helping other kids and making enough money, you know? So, I, I mean, there's a gazillion stories like that, that, you know, people who, who have worked hard, you know, get it. And part of it is going to school and getting your education. And listen, there are definitely, deficiencies in neighborhoods with schooling. There's no question about it. But, you know, it all comes down to what's inside you a lot of times personally. You know, uh, uh, my brother played in the NFL. Well, he was out of the NFL for two years. I can't tell you how many people told him, oh, you got an Ivy League education. What are you wasting your time for? What are you doing? You know, you should just quit and, and, and you know, do something else. 
and he knew that he could do it, and he 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 worked at it. And you know, listen, he he was lucky that he was in the league for two years before he was out of the league, so it afforded him the opportunity, and he had the money to, you know, do what he was doing and try to continue to live the dream. But he had a dream, and he was chasing it. And look at where it got him. You know, got him a long way. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of people that you know uh, are afraid, uh, are almost afraid. Now, listen, there's times where you know you have kids, you have things you have to do, you know, you have responsibilities, and and you know you can't chase your dreams. But uh, you know, I, I read an article the other day about you know like the top three regrets people have in life, and you know, uh, obviously number one was spending more time with their with their family. I think one of the second ones was not you know, chasing, uh, not living the life they wanted to, but living the life other people wanted for them. And that's the one that really hit me that I always say, you know, uh, you got to be yourself, you know, and you can't live the life because someone else tells you this is what you should be doing. And I think that's what politicians do. They try to tell you what you should be doing instead of, hey, just doing it, you know, and and they're going to break you down in certain ways to, you know, hey, they're going to increase taxes on the middle class and you're going to get frustrated and mad and you know and and you have two ways to go you know the old saying was you get bitter or you get better and you figure out ways to get better i mean i i talk about it all the time with camp you know we're 10 miles uh from the pennsylvania border i've told you this a million times phil you know if we're in the state of pennsylvania i'm making probably six figures more every year just based on taxes and regulations and things that go on uh, in the state of New York. Well, I have no choice. I can't pick up my 168 acres of campground and move it to Pennsylvania. So I have to figure out a way to make it work in the state of New York. And that's just it. You have to figure things out. One of those, if you really want to vote, you'll vote. You won't let anything right. stop you. If you want to right. climb a mountain, you're not going to let anything stop you. That's a problem. Priorities matter too. But moving this game, though, I mean, even Stacey Abrams has backpedaled. She doesn't want to see. Well, she didn't realize maybe at the time what yes. would happen. The consequences of right, the consequences of your actions. And she called for boycotts. You know, let's boycott. Let's boycott. Let's boycott. Look what they did to Delta Airlines, for example. Delta right. was all for the vote until people started boycotting them. And then all of a sudden, wow, you see how that changes? And they don't want to lose money, so they they just fall in line instead of doing what's right. Now, moving that game, that was wrong on a lot of levels, and I don't understand how Rob Manfred has the authority to do that. Correct. Who, Who gave him the authority to move that game? Because I guarantee you the Atlanta Braves people didn't want it moved. You can bet on that. I'm sure they didn't. And yeah, I'm sure they didn't. You know, that, that's part of the problem with baseball is it's not really like football where it's a total revenue share game, you know. And, uh, I mean, it was very funny. I saw something that they were talking about, you know, hey, you really want to punish Major League Baseball, let's take away their antitrust uh, exemption, you know. And, and I think with Manfred, it goes back to 1919, as scary as it was, you know, when they – fixed the World Series, and uh, I forgot who they named commissioner, and he said, I'll do it. 
was a famous judge, and he said, I'll do it if I get absolute power to make decisions. Now, I don't know if that's still in existence today. Uh, maybe it is, and that's why he has the authority to do that. But again, uh, you would think that he would want to have most of his teams happy. You know, I, I know the Atlanta Braves have, have worked hard at what they do. They've, they've really become a, a top-notch franchise, and the All-Star game was sort of a, a special thing for them. You know, I mean, this happened again, if I remember, uh, it was NBA basketball, Phil. I don't remember if it was the NBA or not that moved the game out of North Carolina because they didn't agree with um, some laws that go on. And I, I just think it's crazy that, you know, you decide to do this, you make a bigger deal out of something than it is. And I, we've spoke about this also on the past. You know, I have no problem with a professional athlete speaking his mind and saying what he believes in. There's no absolutely zero issues with that. But if now he's going to boycott, you know, a, a city because of something that went on, well, that, that's your job. You know, I'd like to boycott things, too, and, and not. But I, I got a job to do. And I do my job every day. So, you know, I think it was ridiculous that they moved this game out of Atlanta. You know, I think I think you agree with me as well. And then, uh, you know, I, I wanted to try to move on to another story that I thought was interesting, Phil. And tell me uh, if I'm if I'm crazy here. Um, the the Coach Barnes um, story that you and I had talked about. Um, with the Arizona women basketball coach and team after they, I guess it was after they won the semifinal game against Utah. Um, you could correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not sure if I'm right or wrong about that. But, um, you know, they, uh, they, 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 she had a speech, I guess, and, uh, she used a few profanities, and uh, it, I guess it got on um, one of these viral things, and uh, they made a big deal out of what she had said. Now, to me, the bigger deal is uh, uh, that she uh, that they actually left her team out of the, the, the final four video which to me was the bigger mistake of all things. You know, here's a team that worked their butts off to get there, did everything they could to get there, and got totally disrespected by not just other teams and whatnot, but by the actual organization that put on the tournament. Now, I don't know who's watching these things to make sure that it gets done, but how crazy is it that it's a Final Four and only three teams get put on a video? That to me would be is one of the most unbelievable things I've ever seen. And Coach Barnes had every right to say they were disrespected. Now, I know she went a little overboard with, if I'm not mistaken, she stuck her middle finger out and used some profanities. Now, listen, in a closed locker room, that gets your kids pumped up. You know, coaches do use profanities in closed. Uh, sessions and things like that so there isn't much of an issue with uh with 
with the extra, I guess it was sort of an extra incentive uh, on it, you know, to, uh, to, to, uh, I don't even know what the word is extra. I guess it's the explanation point that, uh, you know, um, that they needed to, to go by. So, um, it's, it's an interesting, uh, 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 take on this. Uh, I'm curious what your take is, Philip, on this as well. Um, so, uh, I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you run with it a little bit. All right. Okay. No worries. Um, the bottom line is this. I thought I lost you to the bathroom there for a few minutes. No, 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 no. I was looking at something, and I didn't want it to be picked <laughs> up on the microphone. But gotcha, uh, gotcha. And you were going on your thing, so I figured I'd just let you do it. Now, one of the things that I appreciate about her, if you're talking about women and, and, and gaining a foothold into a very tough business and all the problems that could come along with that, Adia Barnes is that lady. You know, she was breastfeeding her child during this right. event. Right. And that's a lot of work. And, and it's very difficult to do that. I've never done that. Scotty, I don't think, uh, has I'm either. Sure, I'm sure we've never done it. You know, none of us have. So No, none of us have. But at the end of the day, what we have to remember is she she's still a, a mom. And she's doing her thing. And she's, and she's rocking still- it. Right, and she's still a coach that, you know, part of coaching is motivating your kids. Absolutely. You know, it's not and what I, other people think. You know, I don't think any of her the kids on her team had a problem with what she said. And why they, would they? They had zero issue with it, you know. So why should anyone else have an issue with it? It's the it's, same it's, idea with Tom Izzo back when he yelled at the kid and they made a big deal. And the player turns around and says, hey, I, I appreciated him yelling at me. I screwed up. You know, and this one is, hey, guess what? We got disrespected. We were in the Final Four, and we did not make the NCAA video for the Final Four, and we just beat the number one team in the country. And guess what? Screw all of you that didn't believe in us. Nothing wrong with that at all. I, I believe nothing wrong with that. And Why guess should... what? They were one shot from a national championship. God they bless were. Them. Yeah, absolutely. And she's done a fabulous job at Arizona. Fabulous. She took a negative situation and turned it into a positive. That's what coaches do. That's what great coaches do. Yep. And I don't see anything wrong with what she said. I, heck, I've, I'm, I'm glad. glad she said she's not apologizing. I love it. Why should she? She has nothing she, to apologize for. She correct. took a situation that could have been a negative. Oh, they don't like us. They don't think we're going to win. Blah, blah, blah. It's the same for the same reason coaches don't like their players looking at the, uh, Vegas lines before a game, same thing. You get disrespected, and she uh, took that disrespect. They do like, sometimes they do like getting disrespected because it gives you more incentive. To play. Well, yeah, but in this case, she was pretty ticked off, and rightly so. You know, well, she that took was the team. ultimate. Dis- that was the ultimate disrespect. It wasn't, uh, you know, Vegas saying, "Hey, you, you can't win." We're giving this ridiculous line. It was the organization that puts on the tournament. Now, explain to me how these multi-million dollar, billion dollar organization that probably has people that look and check and do things could actually let that video go out without one clip of Arizona's team on it. I have no idea how that could happen. 
I would think that it wasn't intentional, but how could it not be? There's four teams. Maybe they did it while Arizona was playing the, Even if the it lead-in was game. Unintentional. Even if it was unintentional. Someone in that organization said, hey, guess what? Before we put this out, we screwed up. Let's throw two clips in of Arizona. How or does something. we not have the fourth team in there? It's the final four, not the final three plus this other team. Well, you know? I guarantee you they will never do that to her again. Or anybody. They're well, maybe they'll still do it to anybody, again. but not her. And and the well, other thing I think is this. I think that this lady in, is fantastic. I would love to send my kids to play with her or for her. I agree. I agree. But you know what, though? There are going to be a situation you watch where she gets canceled next. How dare she yell at her players the way she does? You know, you'll see. They'll they'll be watching her closer now well, because it, she's it, it, made a name it, for it herself. Depends, it depends on the kids that she has. You know, I mean, it, it it has happened to some of the top coaches in lacrosse, women's lacrosse, and women's field hockey, who were tough old school coaches that got canceled for lack of a better word because a kid on the team uh, didn't play enough and got yelled at, and, and and the parents decided that oh, this is ridiculous. How could you know she do that to our kid? Now, you know, my wife always tells an interesting story, and I thought this was part of the Coach Barnes story, you know, that um, when she played college lacrosse, now she played for one of the old-school tough coaches, uh, Sue Stahl, who coached four U.S. national teams. My wife loved playing for her. Right. Um, And it's funny, my brother who played in the NFL, the toughest guy he played for, he loved him too, you know, Tom Coughlin. So I think players appreciate a little bit of the discipline, and as long as they're fair with it. But my wife always tells a story, and I think this was part of the Coach Barnes story, how it was amazing, you know, and I had talked to her about this story, and she said, you know, it's amazing how if a guy was playing, so, you know, and she put it to lacrosse, and a guy's playing, he makes a mistake, and he says, oh, F you, you know, F, and gets really pissed about it. No one says anything about that. No one cares. But if a girl did it in a women's lacrosse game, they get carded for it. And she said she always thought that was ridiculous. Hey, listen, I'm just reacting to, man, I'm pissed that I, I made a mistake. I threw out the F-bomb, and I'm going to get a card for it, where the boys could do it, and no one even looks the other way. And, I mean, I think it's the same thing with coaches. You've seen a million coaches, men's coaches, football coaches. These guys do these things. I mean, uh, you know, you and I talked about uh, Dan Campbell and the, probably one of the most ridiculous first press conferences of all time. And he didn't ca- he didn't catch as much crap as uh, Ada did. And that's a, that is a pity. And that needs to change. You know, these coaches, these lady coaches, they're tough, too. And sometimes yes, they, they use like, la- look, go to any bar and listen to how some ladies talk. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're offended by what Miss Barnes, Coach Barnes said, and you probably don't get out much because you'll be offended a lot. I, I guess I don't get out much anymore. Yeah, because uh, I'm not offended by her at all. I, I'm, I think I'm she's not, fantastic. I'm not offended by I'm not offended by her at all. I mean, listen, you look at it going way back. The, you know, Pat Summit, who was probably the toughest woman you ever met. You know, uh, uh, was the winningest coach. You know, and turn and had a program that was probably the the program they still look to. You know, uh, even um, uh, 
at UConn. Um, Jesus, now I can't think of his name. What's uh, the, the coach? Oh, that's Gino. Gino, Gino right. Gino Oriema looked Oriema. through their program. And Gino's a tough guy on yep. those kids. So, you know, I think kids appreciate that. I really do. Uh, most I think of them. so. I think kids that are good and teams that go to the Final Four because they're good, kids appreciate it. Now, there are other places in this transfer portal we've talked about it a million times with you know what the kid just isn't the right uh you know kid or has the right toughness or whatever it may be and they're gonna cry you know it's their excuse why they're not good instead of you know the old days you worked hard hey listen i'm not good enough right now it's not the coach's fault that you're not good enough it's your fault you didn't put the time in well, you have chose the wrong school, and maybe you should be at a D2 school. You know, things happen. And it's, it goes back to what we talked about. How do you want to make it happen? You know, do you really want to vote? Well, you're going to make sure you vote. If you really want to vote, you're going to vote. If you really want to play, you're going to make sure you play. It may not be at the place you're at, but it may be somewhere else. And, and it's the... You know, it's part of the culture, Phil, of, you know, uh, some of the sports where they everybody plays and they change positions and they, you know, uh, you've got to play shortstop and bat fourth in Little League Baseball now. And, you know, in our day, Phil, you know, and you remember, you know, if you played right field and bat at ninth, you knew where you stood on the team. Pretty much, you know? yeah. And you, and you did one of two things. And you learned how to either got pissed off at it and worked harder at baseball and made sure you you did better, or you said, hey, you know what, maybe baseball isn't for me, and you found what was for you. That's how I found tennis. And you found, you found your talent. You know, I, batted, I batted first, though, and played right field. My coach, okay. who was the Legion coach, I was like seven years old. My grandfather didn't believe in t-ball. He made me play against pitchers, and I was really short. And the coach was great with me, though. He said... I put you in right field because you have the best, most accurate arm, and I need the strongest arm out there. He said, I bet you lead off because you know how to bunt and you run like crazy. He said, but I think you should play tennis because I think you could utilize all those things and put it all together. Because in right field, sometimes I would daydream because we had, you know, kids don't hit the ball. <laughs> I mean, right, but that's the whole, that was my whole point. That was the whole idea that they used to do. And listen, you know, when I grew up, when you grew up, they didn't coddle you. You know, they, they helped you along, but you weren't coddled. And, you know, I think sometimes these kids don't even understand that, you know, wow, I'm, I'm not as good as this guy is. Well, they never but, will either because they get told from the time they're in sixth grade or even younger how great they are, how you're young, going to make us some young. money. Right. You know, yeah. when someone calls me up and says, hey, I've got this kid who's nine years old and I need you to work with him, but I can't pay you he's going to be a champion. The first question I ask them is, how do you know he's going to be a champion or she is going to be a champion? And what do I get for investing in this kid? Because the second that kid gets good, he's going to go somewhere else or she's going to go somewhere else. It's all crazy, at least in tennis. And I like this fact is they don't really have a participation medal thing. You still have to actually win a tournament. That's still good. But some of this stuff has just made these kids not understand, A, what they want, B, understand who they are, and C, understand where they fit into the global system of sport 
and go and chase that that the, thing they the fit global, in, or the global system of anything. I mean, listen, or the global system you, you of find, anything. You, you know, you may your your parents may push you into baseball, and you realize it's not for me, and you become the greatest violinist in the world. What is so bad about that? Nothing. You know, there's nothing so wrong with any about, of those things, right? What's so bad? You know, I mean, my grandfather used to always tell me, "I don't care what you do, just." Do your best at it and try to be the best one. If you're a ditch digger, be the best ditch digger there is. Do it the right way. You know, if you're a doctor, be the best doctor there is. Do it the right way. And, you know, unfortunately, that way of thought has gone out a little bit with parents and kids. And, and sometimes parents are scared to tell their kids what to do because there'll That's be a little step. backlash and, and big deal, you know, big deal. Big deal. You know what, though? One of the greatest things at Brookwood Camps is that we give kids an opportunity to not just focus on the one sport that they are there for, but to participate in everything. You know, I had a tennis kid who was there all five weeks. And one week he says, you know what? I want to do some arts and crafts. I want to make something for my mom. Well, have a good week, I'd say. You know what? At the end of the day, we allow that to happen. We want to take. Uh, they your... still got to be kids, you know. That's what people don't get to, you know. Oh yeah, I'm going to make my kid a, a superstar. Well, you're going to make him a superstar because all they're going to do in their whole life is is hit a golf ball. Well, you know, they miss out on things when that happens. You know, I mean, or... even, even even look at Tiger Woods. You know, I mean, he missed out on some things as a kid. And he tried to make up for it as an adult, and look at what happened to him because of it. You know, we could go through the list of people who have uh, not been allowed to do much other than their sport, who had big failures because they tried to, like Scotty said, make up for lost time, and they involve themselves with people they no normally involve themselves with, and it gets ugly. We don't let that happen at Brookwood Camps. We've got the best staff out there to teach your kids. We've got the best staff out there to lead your kids, and we have the best staff out there to produce winners both on and off the field of play. Sign up for Brookwood Camps right away. We're filling up fast. Brookwoodcamps.com is where you hit them. They have a live message system where you can just chat them up and sign up your kids. For Scott Fiedler, I'm Phil Nasons. want to thank you for listening. To the canteen. You've been listening to The Canteen with Phil Nasons and Scott Fiedler. Find us on social media at Cash with Flash and at your podcast catcher of choice.